Welcome to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Fremont, we create space for people to become lifelong followers of Jesus, and we relentlessly pursue His transformation of our neighborhood, our city, and the world. Here's today's message. Today we continue our series uh, that we've been going through the month of October uh, called With and For Sacramento. Our text today is from Isaiah 62. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open it there. We'll kind of be in that and and different parts of that chapter, the whole chapter of Isaiah 62. Uh, But before we kind of get into our teaching and talking about our community and our context here in Sacramento, I I, want to kind of say this. The words of Isaiah 62 that we'll hear in a moment are about a city. Uh, The city that's named in this chapter is Jerusalem. It is described as being desolated and forsaken and deserted. These are the words that we'll hear. The passage, I believe, invites us to consider the restorative work of God that he is doing in us, in his people today, and the implications that this restorative, renewing renewing work has for our broader community and our world And uh, the hope that we have for this future city that God is making when he makes all things new. But as I read this passage, it was hard not to think about the events of the last two weeks in Israel. We may be seeing more desolation uh, that this passage describes than we care to imagine. Uh, But I, I I also really believe that it invites us to find our hope in the promise of God's restoration of all things, a future that is without war and strife and conflict. So before we uh, get into our teaching today, I want to invite us to pray together, pray for our world, pray for our community, and pray that God would speak to us through his word today. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, today we stand thankful that we can praise your name in this place. Today, over the last two weeks, we have mourned the violence and desolation that we see in our world. We mourn and grieve the violence of the last two weeks in Israel. We trust in you. We trust in your sovereign hand over this world. And we do ask for peace. For peace in that region that is beyond our understanding. Peace that would emanate from that place and go across the globe. We ask for an end to violence and death. Lord, we lift up the church in Israel to you, that the light and glory of your Son would shine forth from your people, and that the watching world would see that light. I ask that you give the church in that region the strength to persevere, the confidence to proclaim your gospel in their communities, and that through this time, more people would come to put their hope and trust in your Son. And God, as we turn to your word and we see your heart for restoration and renewal, Lord, would, would you speak to us this morning? Give us the peace of these good things that we see and open our hearts to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to turn to Isaiah 62. This is our passage this morning, verses 1 through 12. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give you. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem 
in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate, for you shall be called my delight is in her. And your land married, for the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night they shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest. And give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. The Lord has sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm, I will not again give your grain to be food for your enemies, and foreigners shall not drink your wine for which you have labored. But those who garner it shall eat it and praise the Lord, and those who gather it shall drink it in the courts of my sanctuary. Go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, clear it of stones, lift up a signal over the peoples. For behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the ends of the earth, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and you shall be sought out a city not forsaken. This is the word of the Lord for us today, and thanks be to God. Isaiah 62 gives us a vision of a city, the the city of God and his people in Jerusalem. And over this chapter, the trajectory of the city is this, once a city of desertion and desolation to a city that is restored in the name of the Lord. A city that is so restored that it will be sought after for the goodness of God's salvation that flows from it. This city, it says, will be a blessing to the nations. This city and its impact will extend far beyond its walls and its borders. From desolate to redeemed. From broken to holy and set apart. And this is where we're headed this morning. From desolation to restoration, we'll see the good work of God for his people and for the glory of his name. Now, this sermon series is with and for Sacramento. I think of our own city, Sacramento, certainly not a place of desolation or desertion. But uh, as someone who's spent my whole life living in this region, I kind of know the reputation that this city has had. Despite being the capital of California, it always felt like we were the neglected cousin of the bigger and better cities in our state, San Francisco, Los Angeles. It was uh, 20 or so years ago that the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers called Sacramento just a cow town, if you remember that. I, I actually don't know where the cows are, so I never really understood that one. The insinu- insinuation being that this is not a serious city. This city has uh, uh, really not a serious competitor. Uh, Basketball players lamented being traded here, and the perception was this was a place that had nothing to offer. For the city is what you can gain from it. And for some, Sacramento was not that place. And I should say, I love Sacramento. Uh, my wife and I, we were talking about this. Whenever we travel, we often find ourselves talking about how much we like just being at home in our city. Uh, Hawaii is the exception. <laughs> but when I read Isaiah 62, I see a, a city that is desolate, deserted, and good for nothing. 
you would be better off going to a bigger and better city, the great Nineveh or Babylon, because that's how we often understand cities. It's about what I can get out of that place, a a job, stability, security, a good place to raise a family, good social networks, the recreation it has to offer, and so on. We look at a place and say, what can I get out of this? We don't choose to go and live in a desolate city. But this is not the way of the Lord. God doesn't look at a city and a people and say, what can I get out of them? If they're good enough, then then I will choose them and they will be mine. If they're successful enough, if they have enough championship sports teams, if they have it all together, then I will be their God and they will be be my people. But this is not the way of our God. The Lord's anointed one in this passage, the, the Messiah, this is Jesus. It says, he looks at this desolate city in Isaiah 62 and it says this, For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The, the Messiah, the anointed one, it says, he will stop at nothing until this city is restored until this place of desertion and desolation is transformed into something great, a symbol of the greatness of God. The Messiah will not rest until the city becomes like a bride prepared for her wedding day. And such is the rejoicing of God, like a groom on his wedding day when the city is renewed and restored. This is our story As individuals, as a people, as a community, the church, the body of Christ, the people of God in the world, we were desperate in our sin, desperate in our sin and in the suffering of this fallen world, but we also have a Savior who stopped at nothing to save us and restore us. God doesn't look at us and choose us based on what we have to offer him or how great we are or what a shining city we are. No, he reaches out to us in our brokenness to make us his people. And I want to acknowledge, if you're here this morning and you hear words like desolation and desertion, forsakenness, you may be feeling that for yourself right now. You may be feeling that personally in your, in your life, sorrow that is overwhelming, grief and pain, that has left you feeling beyond hope. And when I read this passage, I see that your Savior sees you. Jesus sees you in your despair. Such was the state of the people of God in this passage, forsaken beyond hope, and yet God is the great Redeemer and Restorer. So that's you this morning. I, I want to encourage you with the hope of a Savior who restores you. Desolation is not the end of this story. The anointed one will not rest until the city has changed. And what does the work of the anointed one look like? Well, really, we're talking about the work of Christ for us. We're going to look at three things that this Messiah does for the people. The first two things we're going to look at together, and we'll kind of look at the one, the third one as we close. But the Messiah... This anointed one will not keep silent until these first two things. The city's righteousness and her salvation go forth. Righteousness and salvation. Those are the two things we're talking about. 
This is the work of the Savior for the city. He does not rest, it says, until her righteousness goes forth and her salvation is seen by the nations. What I see here is that the people of God are being restored from desolation. They're being made new and their righteous deeds, their works of justice and mercy, their care for others, their love for neighbor, this goes forth brightly shining to those around them. And it says that their salvation, the gospel that is the good news of their rescue by God, is also raised as a banner high, so high that even the kings of the world could see the glorious work of God for this deserted city. Do you see, the restored city is one of a new and righteous living, a city uh, that that is uh, expressing this righteousness with mercy and compassion and love. These are the, the new attributes of this people that the world would take notice. And at the same time, it is the good news of their salvation that is proclaimed for all to see. And that salvation, that, that good news is not limited to this people or this city. It is not just that this place will be restored. It is meant to be proclaimed into the nations. In verse 11, it says, Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the ends of the earth. Say to, your, to, say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. This proclamation of good news extends far beyond this city. A people changed and a people saved. And their restoration is a light that shines forth. Jesus, he understood these chapters in Isaiah to find their fulfillment in himself. Last week we uh, looked at Isaiah 61. That was a, a passage that he quoted when he started his ministry. And in, uh, with Isaiah 62, I, I believe he picks up the, the language and the themes of this chapter in the Sermon on the Mount. Here in Isaiah 62, it says this, uh, a city with righteousness that goes forth as brightness, salvation like a burning torch. And in Matthew 5, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, he says in verse 16, let your light shine before others so that they would see your good works, Isaiah might say your righteousness, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The call of the city in Isaiah 62 is to shine the light and love of the Messiah, of Christ, to the world. To proclaim the good news of salvation, the rescue from sin and new life in his resurrection. And we are called to a righteousness. Not to earn our salvation, but good works that others would see them and glorify our Father who is in heaven. That others would know God by our good works and by the way we proclaim his gospel. Paul understood this. This is the passage that Dave read for us a few moments ago in Ephesians 2. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. That sounds like desolation to me. But then verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you see that this salvation is a gift of God? It is God's free gift of grace. We see that we are saved from that desolation of sin 
and we are saved for something else, for the good works that God has prepared in advance for us. And this restoration is completely the work of the anointed one, the work of Christ for us. We are given a righteousness that is not our own. We are given his spirit that we could live lives of obedience, carrying out the works that God has prepared for us. And we raise this message of salvation high so that others would know where our help comes from. It is not a help from ourselves. It is from the Lord's anointed, Jesus Christ. We live in a changed way so the watching world would see a community that lives out the good news. And look at what this communicates to the world. This is verses 10 again, 10 and 11 again. Go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, lift up this signal over all the peoples. Behold, the Lord is proclaimed to the ends of the earth. Your salvation comes. As the people of God, we are changed. In our changed lives, the salvation is a sign to the ends of the earth. I want to tell you about a community uh, that is uh, close to my heart. It's a small community in the Central Valley, a town called London, London, California. Who knew such a thing? And I've led a number of short-term mission trips, youth trips, and family mission trips to this community. It's a small farming community to the south of Fresno. It is a community that has, since it was founded in the Great Depression, been a place that has struggled with poverty. In the 90s and early 2000s, it was a community that really was plagued with violence and drug trafficking. It was a place that was avoided by everyone who knew about it, but very few people even knew it existed. It was essentially ignored by the county, uh, and then the church moved in. About 12 to 15 years ago, uh, two things happened. A missionary moved into town, and then eventually a pastor and his family moved into the heart of this community. Church teams helped renovate this pastor's home to create a center for discipleship right in the middle of this town in their backyard, And also supported by the church in in the greater Fresno region in the valley, uh, a Christian ministry opened a thrift store and a community center in the center of town. That thrift store still uh, continues to employ members of London. And the community center hosts after school and extracurricular activities for families. It It become a safe place for people to gather in a town where that place didn't really exist before. And now after a decade of this kind of incarnational, transformational ministry in this community, a church has been planted at that community center and it meets every week in a town where there was no proclamation of the gospel. And because of the long-term presence of the people of God, because of God's transforming work in and through them, this town is now completely different. Actually, the the county has taken notice and has been putting resources into this community. They've actually opened up a library. And the issues that plagued this town decades ago uh, have largely gone elsewhere. This has not been totally restored or perfectly solved every problem. But the community is very different if you talk to some of the, uh, if you talk to the missionary that moved in 15 years ago, this, this is a town that is so different than what it is now. And, and I, what I love about that picture, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a community, and the church really took seriously both these two things. That we would go into this, into this town and, and be people that love our neighbors well, 
We're going to start a thrift store and a community center, and we're going to let this place be a beacon of the gospel in the center of this town. This is a community being restored. And the pastor of this town, I I love this man, his vision for his church is that they, in this tiny little community, is that they would actually take the gospel and discipleship tools to other, even smaller, more impoverished towns all, all throughout the Central Valley. Their vision was not to become complacent in their salvation and their righteousness, keeping it to themselves, but instead uh, to the 40-something small hamlets like it throughout the Central Valley to uh, see God's restoration across every one of them. When we look at our own community, our own neighborhood, our our city, our, our world, do we see the potential for restoration or do we see what we can get out of it? Do we take to heart that which we have already freely received, our salvation in Christ and a righteousness that is not our own? Do we seek to put it on display for the glory of God in a despairing world? And if you're wondering, where do I start? I think it starts by loving our neighbors and seeking out the hard places in our community to proclaim the gospel and express the love of Christ. But the passage also gives us a practical uh, invitation here. It says, um, it says here, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen all the day and all the night. They shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest until he establishes Jerusalem. The image here is the people of God in unceasing prayer for their city, for their community. It's the people of God in unceasing prayer for the desolate places in our world, never resting until God establishes his restoration. Do you want to see restoration in our community? We can start in prayer. And and in fact, here at Fremont, we're seeing uh, uh, movements of this beginning, even over the last few months. Uh, One of our elders, Alan Foster, launched a fourth Wednesday prayer night each month. Uh, starting, he started that this past summer. And, uh, our next one is actually this Wednesday, uh, 7.30 in the chapel right over there. That was an extra announcement for free. And it's been a joy for me to attend these nights to seek God's renewal and His Spirit for our church and our, and our community with like-minded people. Unceasing in our prayers for God. I listened to an interview this week. Uh, it was actually a brand new interview with uh, scholar N.T. Wright. And he said this, uh, part of the vocation of the Christian, part of the call of the, the Christian, the, the Christian's vocation, is to stand in the areas of our world in which there is pain and suffering. Isaiah might use the words forsakenness and desolation. And N.T. Wright says, and be people who pray. That we would stand in the places of our world where there was pain and suffering and be people who pray. Who pray and wait and watch for the restoration that our God brings. We start with prayer and then we live in a way that is changed. Demonstrating and proclaiming our salvation to a watching world. There is uh, so much more in these 12 verses of Isaiah 62 that we could get into. But I want to close um, with that third thing I mentioned that the, the Lord's anointed does. The, the first, he 
gives the city a righteousness and their salvation. But it says this uh, in verse 3. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be called forsaken, but you shall be called my delight is in her. And then later in verse 12, we see the other new names that the Lord gives the people. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. But the transforming work of the anointed one, this is who we are. Now a crown of beauty, a royal diadem in the hand of God. And don't misunderstand. It's not that we are given a crown, but we are, it says we are the crown. We are the crown of God, the crown of the king of kings. This is one of those ideas in prophetic books of the Bible or poetic books of the Bible that's really easy to pass over. Well, that sounds nice. I've been turned into a crown. But let's not miss the significance of what this says about the people of God. We are made into a crown for the king. We are the crown of God. Now, it is not the crown that makes someone a king. Queen Elizabeth, when she was alive, did not spend most of her days wearing her her crown but she was still queen. But what does the crown do then? The crown is the sign of the king's reign and it shows off his glory. This is what we are. We, the people of God, turned into the crown of the king. We are the sign of his reign in this world and we are meant to show off the glory of our king. We, a transformed, restored, and renewed people, are the sign of his kingdom in this world. We are given a new identity as people who would manifest and express his glory everywhere we go, to the ends of the earth. We are the crown, not because we are so great, but because he is. Now, this is a far cry from the desolation And desertion that we started with. For we are a people made new. It's now set apart, it says, holy and redeemed. This is who we are. So let us live into this. Let us live up to the name of our city, Sacramento. It strikes me, Sacramento, you take off that last letter and you get the word sacrament. Something holy and set apart for a specific purpose. We The church of Sacramento, we are holy and set apart. Set aside for a specific purpose. Set apart for this purpose in the world, to herald the good news of salvation, to walk in the righteousness of our Savior, and to show off the glory of our King. Let us be a church that stands in our identity as a restored people and seek to live this out in our city and beyond. We're called now to be a city on a hill, shining our light in the darkness. And Isaiah 62 also gives us this picture of where we are all headed, to that city of God that is spoken about in Revelation. This is where we'll close this morning. Revelation gives us this picture of the future city of God. It says, Behold, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down, and out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And this city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light. And its light, its lamp is the lamb. By its light will the nations walk. This is our present and our future. Let us go from this place today into our neighborhood and our city, bringing with us the righteousness of Christ, the salvation that he gives us, and the glory of our God and King. Amen. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for the restoration and renewal that we find in your name. We thank you that you look at us, not for what we can give you, but you look at us with your love for us, and you restore the broken and desolate places. God, we pray for greater and more restoration in our community, in our city, but also in, in this church community, that you would continue to turn us, uh, the, us, your people here at Fremont, into what we see in this passage, the light for the nations, a light to all around us. God, let us remember who we are. We've been made into your crown to show off your glory as a sign of your reign in this world. Lord, would you draw us into this identity, holy and set apart, God. We thank you. We thank you, God, for your heart for us, for this city, and for this world. May we be people who proclaim that wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit fremontpress.org. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 a.m. in the sanctuary for classic worship and 10.30 a.m. in the Community Life Center for modern worship. You can catch the live stream of both services at fremontpress.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episode each week. Thanks for listening. 